Hello, and welcome to Pause Pop, positively pop culture, where we talk about the things we love enthusiastically and without guilt. I'm Carrie Gessner. And I'm KW Taylor. Today, we've, <laughs> we've got an interesting episode for you. We're going to talk about the board game Wingspan, and then a couple of TV shows, the Peacock series Poker Face, Prime series The Rig, and the NBC reboot of Night Court. None of which have anything in common. I don't think so. No, no. <laughs> I think I think the th- some of the shows are kind of lighthearted and have to do with crime. Mm-hmm. Some of them are not. Wingspan, I don't know anything about. So great. I was trying to I was trying to make a theme, but I think I failed. <laughs> That's okay. That's okay. We don't always have to have themed episode. It's fine. No, <laughs> so, no. <laughs> because we don't consume things in themes all the time. You know. No. Yeah. So. Okay. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about this board game. Tell me about Wingspan. Yes. So I got the chance to play this at work, actually, a couple weeks ago when I was on Daylight. My coworker and I played it over lunches. Fun. (laughs) Which I absolutely recommend because it gave me some social interaction and it broke up the day a bit. And it was just really nice to, like, not talk about work, you know? Yeah. So this game is called Wingspan. It's by Stonemeyer Games, and it is about bird collecting. What? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, actually, if you know this, but I've sort of started amateur bird watching. Oh, fun. Last year, I don't know why, I was just like, this is a thing that I would like to do now. <laughs> and it's been really fun. And this game sort of incorporates all of that so this is a good game if you like engine building games and if you Mm -hmm. like good art because the majority of this game is a big old deck of cards and they each have a nice little bird illustration on them Mm -hmm. and it has the name of the bird and has different facts about them and it's just like they're all just really pretty to look at (laughs) Cool. So if you're into <laughs> birds, this is a good game for you. <laughs> okay. But you could still enjoy it even if you're not into birds. <laughs> okay. That's good. <laughs> so we had two players. I believe you could play with up to five. Okay. You could definitely play with up to four. And basically, you have your own little mat. And there are three different habitats. So the top habitat is the forest, the middle habitat is the grasslands, and the bottom habitat is wetlands. Okay. So each bird card can go into one or more of those habitats. And you have five slots, so you want to build up how many birds you have, because the more birds you have, the more points you get at the end. So... (laughs) (laughs) this is actually this is gonna sound like it's confusing but once you play it it makes more sense okay so you each have i think i think nine moves in the first round and you play for three for you play for a couple rounds (laughs) i can't remember (laughs) several several thank you and then you sorry you start with eight and then you go down to five so it's four rounds so each round you lose 
an action, basically. Oh, okay. So you want to get more economical as you go. Mm. But the actions you can do are like laying down a bird, Mm -hmm. which costs food. So each one has a different food score. So one of the actions you can do is gather food. And they Mm -hmm. have these little food dice that you roll through a dice tower that looks like a birdhouse. And it's really cute and cool. (laughs) (laughs) And you can lay eggs. Oh. So there are... (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) This This is harder to explain than I thought it would be. That's okay. So you can put eggs onto the card, onto the bird cards. Mm -hmm. And each card will be like, this bird has this certain type of nest and it can hold two eggs. Or this bird has this other sort of nest and it can hold five eggs. Mm -hmm. So you are allowed to put up to that many eggs on the card. And the eggs will give you points. And the eggs will also... Each round has its own sort of side goal, which you don't have to meet, but mm-hmm. if you meet it, you get extra points. Okay. So, for instance, one round was like, get eggs into this certain type of nest. Okay. So, the more eggs I got into that nest, the more points I would get for that round. Okay. So, you're building out all of your birds... And you're also building all these, all these different ways that you can get points. Okay. So you want to keep all of this in mind as you go. And it's a little bit um, tricky, but it's also very fun. There's another way you can get points, which is that everyone gets like a secret, a secret goal card. Mm-hmm. And mine was to get eggs on the bird card. So if I got like five to seven... I would get three extra points. But if I got eggs on eight to nine bird cards, I would get like six extra points at the end. Okay. So the goal is to like build up all these ways to get points and then you add them all up at the end to see who wins. Does that make sense? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. That's really similar to, um, oh, there's a lot of games like that. Like even even Ticket to Ride is kind of like that. Machi Koro, Small World. There's, yeah. So... Yeah, I think, well, I never got the hang of Settlers of Catan, but I feel like there's elements of that, too. (laughs) Yeah, I think so. I forgot one thing. (laughs) Oh, okay. (laughs) Which is that the birds also have a lot of the birds, not all of them. They have, like, Mm -hmm. special actions. Oh, okay. That will activate when you, like, put another bird in that row and stuff like that. Oh, okay. So you've got five slots for birds. And the more you put down, the more you have to pay to put the bird there. So, like, if you put it in the second slot, you might have to pay, like, two eggs to put that bird there. If you put it in the third slot, you might have to pay three eggs. Like, you have to sacrifice some things in order to put the birds down. Mm -hmm. But then once you have a couple in a row, you start on the right card, the rightmost card, Mm -hmm. because you're building out from left to right. And... You get to do each of those actions on the bird cards from right to left. Okay. Yeah. So the more birds you have in a row, the more actions you can do on that turn. And they'll be like, get some more eggs and place them down and (laughs) different things like that. (laughs) Like, roll the the food die and if you get a fish, you can keep it and stuff like that. 
Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. It's just, <laughs> once you get the hang of it, it's really fun. And it didn't take me that mm-hmm. long to get the hang of it. I did have my coworker, he had played it before. So I did have someone to teach me. Okay. Which is always nice. But yeah, I really, really enjoyed this. It took us, so the playtime is supposed to be like 40 to 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And it took us two hour long lunch breaks. Oh, okay. <laughs> but there was also like setup time and takedown time. And like the second day we had to set up, we took pictures of the setup the day before and we had to get it all <laughs> in the same places and stuff like that. So there was yeah. a little bit extra time that was, that was unaccounted for. But I think once the, all the players kind of know what's going on, it, it'll go a little bit, a little bit faster. So okay. I... I'm very interested in getting this game for myself. Mm-hmm. That's how much I liked it. Cool. And I would I would highly recommend it. It does sound really fun. Yeah. I tend to like games like that. I don't know. I'm not against birds. I'm not like anti-bird. <laughs> I'm not like bird obsessed, though. Yes. So, no, I totally get that. I feel like it would be great if it was kittens. Okay. I can see that. <laughs> yeah. Whereas I was playing it and like, as Ian was taking his turn, I was just reading all the bird facts. (laughs) No, I mean, that is interesting for sure. (laughs) Also, since eggs are so expensive right now, it would be nice if you would actually get real eggs. (laughs) Yeah, no, you can't. But they are, they are these little tiny, like, they look like those little chocolate Cadbury eggs almost, but a little bit smaller. Cute. That's fun. (laughs) So you get pretend eggs. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> huh. No, that sounds super fun. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Cool. All right. So you have not been playing games. You've been watching a good television show that I yeah. have heard about, but I don't know much yes. about. I highly recommend this for you in particular. I mm. think you would enjoy it. And I I don't know that I'm obsessed with it. I th- it's very, very good. It has been really critically acclaimed. I think it has, let's see, I feel like, oh, it's got a 99% approval on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow. So, yeah. Um, okay, so it's called Poker Face, and it is on Peacock, and it just started not super long ago in like late January. And they're releasing several episodes weekly. So by the time we release this, I don't think it will actually be over. It's got a 10 episode season. And it's not due to conclude until March. Okay. So the premise is, first of all, this stars Natasha Lyonne, who I think is awesome. And she plays Charlie Kale. And Charlie is a casino worker when we first meet her. But we quickly find out in the first episode, she has a special weird talent that she can always tell when someone's lying. Mm. So this allows her to do some kind of a little bit underhanded things like she's really good at gambling because, you know, she can always tell if somebody's bluffing. So she basically just runs away with any poker game she's in, which is the part of the title here. But she's not a detective. She's not a cop or anything. Okay. And yet after, kind of during and after the first episode, she ends up kind of traveling around. She's technically on the run, but I don't want to spoil too much about why. Uh, But she's just kind of traveling around the U.S. And like Jessica Fletcher on Murder, She Wrote, every time she (laughs) ends up in a small 
town, somebody ends up dead. Oh and my. she sort of ends up helping figure out what happened. And it seems like she it bothers her when these murders happen to not figure out what happened. Mm-hmm. So she just sort of inserts herself and helps <laughs> solve it, whether they want her to or not. Yeah. But since it's a little precarious, since she's kind of on the run, she can't really super get like law enforcement involved in a more direct way. So there's some little like, kind of workarounds that she does um, to help justice prevail while she still escapes the law. <laughs> <laughs> but the thing about it is, it, even though there is a little bit of a ongoing story with her and her kind of trying to get away with, from certain people, it is very episodic so that it's just pretty self-contained, which okay. I think is unusual nowadays. Mm-hmm. It also is structured interestingly because unlike Murder, She Wrote or similar kind of plays on a cozy mystery, the audience actually knows in all the episodes I've seen so far, the audience knows who did it, Oh, but they don't know, they don't know why or exactly how or all of the motivation. So you typically will get a few minutes of exposition of the murder kind of showing it or showing the lead up to it or showing the direct aftermath of it. And then, then it kind of flashes back to reveal that Charlie has either been in the location the whole time and been there when the murder happened, which is what happens in a few cases, or she knows some of the people involved in the situation, or she comes along right, right after the murder. So the structure is a little bit nonlinear in that regard. And because she's the only continuing character, every week we get a new slate of guest stars, some of whom are either up-and-comers or veteran character actors or just really cool people that it's fun to see doing something weird. And the other thing is that it's really, really funny. It's It can be bleak and a little dark and a little violent, but not too, too much. But it is pretty humorous. And weirdly heartwarming in ways and she is doing her like kind of patented Natasha Lyonne (laughs) behavior which is basically like a female Columbo so you know she has that very specific manner about her her kind of New York accent and her look of having like the kind of big wild hair and yet being this tiny woman who also sounds like you know an 80-year-old man from Queens smoking a cigar, <laughs> which I love all of that. She is fantastic. So yeah, I think this is for anybody who finds her doing her thing fun, and it's at her most herness. For anybody who likes a little bit different structure of a mystery, and also an interesting combination of genres is going on here. And also, like, each one so far is set in kind of a weird environment, Like, these are all sort of, like, one takes place in a casino, but it's like a rundown casino that's obviously seen better days. Mm -hmm. One takes place in, like, almost a gas station only with, like, no town around it. Oh, man. And another is kind of around a rest stop. And, like, these are out of the way, like, desolate liminal spaces. And I feel like that's interesting. A lot of really pretty southwestern scenery in the first few weeks. 
And this is also created by Ryan Johnson, who I adore. And it has that same kind of knives out glass onion and some of his earlier work sort of feel to it. His brother, um, Nathan Johnson does the score. His music is fantastic. There are a couple of recurring characters who kind of come and go related to her kind of being on the run. But otherwise, we're, we're just seeing like different people in different ways. And it is amusing to see some character actors playing against type a little bit. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's just really, really, really fun. Um, I don't think I've had an episode so far that I haven't enjoyed. One thing that is a little, like, I don't super love is the runtime varies wildly. So some episodes are closer to like 40 minutes. Some are almost like 70 minutes, so they can feel a little bit longer. Yeah, so it's just kind of all over the place. And I like Peacock a lot because they're doing some really interesting things. But it even for premium, there are still a couple of commercial breaks. So there's not really a way to get this without any commercials. It's pretty limited if you have the the upgraded plan, but you still will get a couple commercials. Um, And I kind of wish it was on a different service or that Peacock would let you see these without commercials. But those are like nitpicky. I I do think that some of the longer episodes feel a little bloated and could be a little bit reined in or tightened a little bit. But Mm -hmm. honestly, it's so full of like a combination of edginess and whimsy. And I just like that really, really works for me. Even though they're murders, they also feel a little low stakes in terms of like, you know, it's not something so upsetting that it's going to be like bleak and dark. These are, I would say, only medium dark. (laughs) (laughs) If that that makes sense. Medium dark. Medium dark. And, you know, it's not really a spoiler to say that she generally will figure out what happened and some consequence will happen to the bad guy. Mm -hmm. So if you need closure that is sort of positive in that regard, you'll, you'll pretty much get it almost every episode. And yeah, she's one of the producers also. And I feel like even though I really like Russian Doll and that seems also very her, this feels even more her, if that makes sense. So she's perfectly cast. She has given herself the the best possible vehicle for her specific talents. Okay. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I actually have not watched Russian Doll and I've been told I should. Oh. Um, yeah, we, we covered that early in the pod. And so people can go back and listen to that. I do think season one of Russian Doll is kind of perfectly self-contained. Um, season two is okay. I did not like it as much. Yeah. And this is kind of a hybridization of some of her other characters, including even her Orange is the New Black character. Charlie Case, Kale is a lot more together than Nikki from Orange is the New Black, I will say. (laughs) Mostly because she's not in prison, so <laughs> yeah, there is that, and she does feel like like a truly good person, even if she is a little damaged. So I I liked that about it. Okay. But yeah, it's fun. I think you would like it. I think I mean too. Even besides Natasha's character, there are a bunch of really compelling, strong women in this show that kind of pop up, and I do think that it is meant to shed a little bit of light, even though it's not like heavy handed, on marginalized people in a variety of ways okay so cool it yeah. sounds good i will actually i'm yeah. gonna check it out soon cool probably later today <laughs> oh great enjoy thank you 
I do want to point out that Peacock has tiers now. Yes. So you have to go up to the higher tier to get no ads. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. I didn't know there was even an option for that. Yeah. I guess we're on the medium tier. Yes, I think so. <laughs> <laughs> so just FYI, if you want Thank no commercials. You. No commercials. That's helpful. But you've been watching a show that I've not really, I've heard the name, but I don't know anything about The Rig. So tell me about that show. Yeah, I think this is something that you would enjoy. Okay. I honestly did not see a lot of advertisement for it. When it dropped in January, I saw it on Amazon.com because it's an Amazon Prime show. But yeah, I haven't really heard anyone talking about this or anything, which I think is a shame because... It is pretty good. So this is a six-episode supernatural thriller drama. Okay. So I really liked it because it's very contained. It's six episodes. They're an hour long. And, you know, it doesn't get drawn out, which I think is good. Mm -hmm. The main people are Emily Hampshire, again. (laughs) She plays Rose Mason, who's an oil company representative on board a Scottish rig. Uh She's the only American character. (laughs) And then the sort of leader of the crew is Magnus McMillan, played by Ian Glenn of Game of Thrones fame. Okay. And basically they are on this rig and they've got this rep from Pictor, which is the company. And she is very, you know, job focused. <laughs> There's some tension among the crew. People are set to leave on the helicopter soon. And she is in charge of the helicopter rotation. So she gets to say who's who's leaving and stuff like that. And there's this whole thing where this one guy gets bumped for the radio manager, Fulmer, who's played by Martin Compson. Because they have to go out to a meeting with Pictor and like there's this whole kind of little plot line of Pictor is thinking about shutting this field down. Mm -hmm. So basically everyone's going to be out of a job. So she's trying to keep that on the the DL basically. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Because why wouldn't you when you're on a ship full of men? (laughs) Yeah. In the middle of the ocean. So I'm going to run through some of the the characters and the actors real quickly, just because I don't want to miss anyone. But Baz, the guy who gets bumped from the helicopter rotation, is played by Calvin Demba. Um, you have Heather, played by Molly Vivers. Kat is the medic, and she's played by Rashenda Sandal. Easter is played by Abraham Papula. And Dunlin is played by Richard Peppel. Oh, and Hutton is sort of this older, crotchety guy. He's played by Owen Teal, and I don't know if you would recognize the name, but I think you would recognize his face. He's a veteran British character actor. (laughs) (laughs) British-Scottish. Okay. So you've got this big crew on this rig, and they are hoping to go home soon, but... A mysterious fog rolls in. Uh oh. <laughs> yeah. That's never good. <laughs> it is not. 
And they are sort of cut off from everything. Oh, no. The phones don't work. The television doesn't work. They do have limited communication with the other parts of the rig. And <laughs> the there's like a rescue boat driving around i think okay (laughs) that they sometimes can get contact with and other times they'll have to like rely on flashlights and using morse code and stuff like that oh man yeah so they like they are very isolated and it's sort of like a i i can't remember the term for it but a pressure cooker it's sort of like a pressure cooker because everyone is like scared mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> and everyone is angry mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just it just kind of like builds and builds and builds Ugh. but the <laughs> the kicker is that fulmer and baz are up trying to fix something on the rig mm-hmm. and baz falls off oh no yeah so he I mean, it's very high. It's He falls onto like a metal graded floor. Mm-hmm. So he's in a really bad shape. And mm-hmm. Kat and the other, some of the other people bring him inside and they try to do what they can for him. But he, you know, she's just like, he's probably bleeding internally. We don't have the equipment to open him up. Like when stuff this bad happens, mm-hmm. they helicopter them out to yeah. an actual hospital. But Mm -hmm. helicopters can't get in because of the fog. Yeah. So everyone is, like, freaking out. Oh, no. And they sort of leave Baz alone. He's stable, but he's not doing great. So they leave him for a little bit um, and try to fix... They have to go figure out some other stuff. And at the end of the episode, the crew is out on the deck and... I think at this point, all of the stuff about Rose and pictures come out. So they're all arguing. Yeah. And Ash starts to fall from the sky. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And then Baz makes his way to the deck. And he is like, not doing great, but he is mysteriously not as bad as he was when they left him. Uh- Oh, that's fine. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then I can't remember exactly what he says, but he says something like, "The wave is coming," and then no. he collapses, and then the episode ends. <laughs> <laughs> and oh. I was like, "Oh, oh crap! I have to figure out what's going on here." So yeah. it is supernatural. Mm-hmm. There are some very interesting things that go on. I'm not going to get into a lot of the details because I think it plays out pretty well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was surprising. Like, I don't think I knew it was supernatural going into it. I was like, what's oh. happening? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was just about an oil rig. And then yeah. <laughs> I think, like, I don't want to use the term big bad, but like the, the cause of all of this mm-hmm. is very interesting. Okay. And I think they it goes in a very cool direction and an interesting direction. Mm-hmm. And there's another bad guy, not a bad guy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's just a jerk and you hate him, but Mark Addy, who's another recognizable face comes on mm-hmm. in the last couple episodes playing David Koch. 
and he's also from Pictor, but he and Rose butt heads a lot. And I think they do some just really different things with the elements they have. So mm. I was really pretty satisfied with it. I, I enjoyed it. And I think you would be interested in like all the supernatural stuff. Cool. Yeah. That sounds really good. Yeah. I like um like if there's a weird containment situation where you can't leave mm-hmm. for some reason, I think those are interestingly stressful and yes. um compelling. <laughs> so yeah, that sounds really good. I'll check that out. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. And you have been watching something very that sounds very different. <laughs> yes. We'll 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 end on a lighthearted note here okay. <laughs> with another more comedic show. Yeah. So NBC recently rebooted Night Court, which seems like a really random choice. I don't know how familiar you are with the original. Do you know very much about it? Have you ever seen it? I have never seen it. I know the tiniest bit about it. Okay. Well, I'll just give like a, it's not a very high concept show. So (laughs) the original Night Court aired on NBC also from 1984 to 1992. Okay. So it was on for a long time, nine seasons, almost 200 episodes, even though it was always like a quasi hit, but it was never like a blockbuster show. It was one of those shows that just kind of marches along being pleasant and the people (laughs) who really like it, really like it. And it's not necessarily super ubiquitous, but um. (laughs) The premise of the original was it was set in a Manhattan criminal court in their night shift. And this is a real thing. I recently looked this up that in the Manhattan criminal court in real life, there is a shift that's basically like 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. or something. And it's the idea behind it is that you're going to get your your sort of misdemeanors, your some of your bigger cases, but just like arraignments, basically. Mm-hmm. So you don't you don't have a jury. It's just to kind of clear the jail of people who might just end up with a fine or to kind of send them on for further processing. So you get a lot of like petty thievery and women who work as independent contractors. We'll just put it like that, <laughs> um, and just like you know kind of people up to randomly eccentric, no good, come through this court. And this is a sitcom. So again, like some of the ridiculousness of some of these cases is part of the comedy. And (laughs) in the original, a judge who's in his early 30s gets appointed to the bench as like, this is our entry into uh, the universe. And it was uh, this guy, Harry Stone, played by Harry Anderson. And in addition to being really, really young, he's also very eccentric and silly and doesn't really take his job as seriously as the lawyers in the court would prefer. (laughs) He's like a magician and he's like into jazz and he's just like, (laughs) He he does practical jokes on people. He's just he's just a goofy jokester of a judge. And then the comedy comes from some of the other people being a little bit more of the the straight men to his zaniness. Although sometimes it's the reverse that he's a little bit more of the normal person facing like weird cases and stuff. Okay. Mm-hmm. And there's like some some little romance plot lines and things and one of the main characters who continues and shows up in the reboot is Dan Fielding, who in the original was a prosecutor. But in the reboot, he comes back as a defense attorney. And he's Hmm. played by John Larroquette, who is, you know, another veteran character actor (laughs) of everything. And John Larroquette famously won so many Emmys for this role in the original that he took himself out of consideration. Oh, yeah, he was like, it's enough. I'm done. But I mean, they were well-deserved. Dan Fielding is a notoriously really interesting character. 
he appears as this kind of cultured, again, not the necessarily outrageous comedic character. Sometimes he's the character people play off of. But in the original, he was also really, he was kind of a sleazy, narcissistic, smug blowhard. Okay. In the reboot, he's softened quite a bit. Okay. Lots of years have have changed him. Uh, but he is a little bit like an over-the-top character in terms of his attitudes. Mm-hmm. He could be considered kind of a male Karen Walker from Will and Grace, but not quite as over-the-top. He's sort of the the reverse Ron Swanson in that he's a little more animated and kind of like, I don't know, some of his worst personality traits are just amplified. So <laughs> so anyway, that was that was the original. And it was a multi-camera sitcom with an audience and stuff, so kind of old style. And the reboot maintains that setup. So it's still a multi-camera live audience sitcom, which nowadays feels very old fashioned. Mm -hmm. And the premise of the new version is otherwise identical, except that Judge Harry Stone has sadly passed away. And the new super young judge who comes to this night court is his daughter, Abby. Oh, And she's played by Melissa Rauch from The Big Bang Theory. And we have the return of Dan Fielding as now the public defender. So he's on the other side defending criminals that in the original, he would have been very, you know, quick to try to get put in jail. This time he has to advocate for them. And the rest of the cast includes India de Beaufort as Olivia, who is now the prosecutor. Kapil Talwalker as Neil, who is the court clerk. Lacretta as Gergs, who is a bailiff, and she's kind of silly. But same kind of sources of comedy is partly that Abby is irreverent and does not seem to take a lot of this seriously. She's very sunny and young and silly. And Dan and Olivia find her sort of irritatingly optimistic and upbeat (laughs) and try to navigate her personality there. But it's already been renewed for a season two. It's still finding its feet a little bit. I will say that. It's not perfect, but it has made me laugh out loud at least once an episode. And one thing about the original that was sort of, it was notorious for is that the theme song slaps really hard. (laughs) And uh, the theme was by this guy, Jack Elliott, who was like a jazz composer. And it's it's a bop and a half (laughs) is the original theme. And they have edited it down a little bit, but it is still the same theme in essence. And actually, John Larroquette's son is a composer, Hmm. Benjamin Sword Larroquette, and he took the the original theme, adapted it, updated it, and shortened it a little bit. So I thought that was kind of fun. And it's also one of the main showrunners is Pamela Freeman, who has done a lot of work on other really excellent sitcoms, including How I Met Your Mother. She directed almost every single episode of that show. So you see a lot of like you know, talented folks behind the scenes there. Mm-hmm. But, you know, the reception has been a little bit, it's like, it's got a 71% Rotten Tomatoes rating, but it's really sweet. And one thing that they did with Dan Fielding's character to kind of soften him up is like, he's now got totally white hair and a beard now. Mm-hmm. So he's certainly aged, but he's no longer kind of as girl crazy. He's not being quite as sort of sexist as he was in the original that in the intervening years between the two series, his character got married, found the love of his life, and had a great long-term marriage, but she has just passed away. Mm. So his 
cynicism and a little bit of darkness is coming from a totally different place. Yeah. That he's lost his love of his life and and Abby being the daughter of his best friend is trying to kind of bring him back into a purposeful life and try to bring back some light into his existence. So I do think that relationship of like almost a uh, an age reversed mentor mentee relationship <laughs> is kind of fun. Yeah. And even though there's like a lot of like sort of death hanging over this show because Harry Stone is supposed to have died and that Harry Anderson did die in real life sadly. And so they mention that a lot and they mention Dan's wife having died. But it's still really fun and and generally lighthearted and they still have this like fun, you know, ongoing running gags of like really weird criminals coming through <laughs> who have been charged with weird stuff and it's just, you know, very bizarre. So yeah. if you want something very low stakes, very silly that you can just kind of turn your brain off of and and that does feel kind of an optimistic show overall, I think this is really cute. And you don't really need to know, you don't need to go back and watch the original unless you feel like it. And you don't really need to know much more than what I've said here. Yeah. They, they set something up very clearly. So okay. it's pretty fun. Awesome. So that's on NBC on Tuesday nights and it does repeat the next day on Peacock. Great. That sounds really cute. It is cute. Yep. Nice. Yep. Yeah. So to remind people, I think you can find Wingspan, the board game. Can you probably find that wherever you would buy board games? Yes, you can. Okay. <laughs> and you can find Poker Face and Night Court both on Peacock. And then the rig you can find on Amazon Prime. Next time, we'll be talking about some more great pop culture stuff. So be sure to join us in two weeks. Our theme music is by Joseph McDade. You can find our website at PositivelyPopCulture.com. And from there, you can find the link to the merch store, as well as our email, positivelypopculture at gmail.com. And please rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy and safe, and join us next time for another episode of Pause Pop. Pause Pop.